Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Does this mean it's over? Does this mean he likes me? Are butterflies good? Am I ever going to meet someone? I'm tired of swiping. Am, Am I, I normal? normal? You don't have proper boundaries within a relationship. That relationship is not going to last long. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you watch me on the Drew Barrymore Show, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another motivational episode of Dates and Mates. All right. This is not a test. We are just over a week away from Valentine's Day. And whether you're still looking for a date or planning a Galentine's with the ladies or maybe you've already made plans with your partner, it's important to focus on the heart of it all. You see... Hallmark and Seas Candy and Tiffany's, they have all painted these idyllic portraits of romance for us to strive for. But the truth of it is, the holidays simply about love. It's just about love. And it all starts with you. My guest today says we are our own problem and we are our own solution. <laughs> and I like that especially the last part, because we have the power to reframe this holiday so that it isn't just about a perfect candlelit rose filled evening if we don't want it to be, whether we're in a relationship or not. But instead, we can make it a day to really focus on our love for ourselves and for others. And that's why international speaker, social media celebrity, and the author of Get the F Out Your Own Way, MJ Harris, is joining us today. He'll be sharing his secrets on empowering your relationship, personal, platonic, or romantic. Plus, he'll explain why there is nothing wrong with ghosting. What? I know. My jaw dropped when I read that in his book. Of course you know I'm going to be talking to him about it. And as a world traveler, MJ will also break down the Tinder rule for those of you dating on the road. So it's going to be a live one. But first, we have the dating dish this week, and it's right on time for Valentine's Day. Swiping to find a partner before Valentine's Day? Avoid this dating trend. And then later in Dear Demona, I'll address this question. What do I do with dating app candidates I've already dated or even slept with? Hmm. Told you, it's going to be spicy. All right, pull up a chair because this Valentine's dish is getting served a little early. These dating dish. Stylist Magazine says, swiping to find a partner before Valentine's Day? Beware of the unproductive admin hell of avalanching. What is avalanching? Well, you, if you watch me on Access Daily with Mario and Kit, you know that I do a segment there called the Dating Dictionary. So I'm always on the lookout for new terms and defining them for everyone. And as you can imagine, a lot of these new terms are really repackaged old terms. What is avalanching? It is that overwhelming, admin-heavy, seasonal dating trend that's all about quantity and not about quality. It's going through all of these dating apps at an accelerated rate, trying, desperately, maybe asterisk, trying to find 
that special someone to spend Valentine's Day with. Or maybe even just, I don't know, any someone. Like, I remember, I remember the panic that used to hit me, like, right around this time. Like, as soon as we turned the the calendar corner into February, I was like, <gasps> what am I doing for Valentine's Day? Am I going to have a date? And uh, I've said on the show before, my my roommate, God bless her, I actually helped her find her person online. But in the days prior, she was no slouch. Let me tell you, she knew how to line up a Valentine. And I was always sitting there eating bonbons, watching her get picked up and the dozen roses and like, in my mind, she had the perfect fairy tale Valentine's life that I didn't have. And you know what's weird? Even after I met my husband, that that picture perfect Valentine's Day never it, it never really happened. I don't think I've ever maybe one like there was once he really rolled out the red carpet. But then it's like it's such a it's such a myth that we buy into. But I know that a lot of these myths. I mean, I literally wrote the book on F the fairy tale, rewrite the dating myths and live your own love story, because I know how these myths and these beliefs and these stories they capture our hearts. They grab a hold of us. They make us want to complete the story. So with this article, findingtheone.com polled 800 singles that are currently signed up on their waiting list. And 64% of them think Valentine's Day is the most depressing time of year. I have to tell you, there was one year where I... I was like, okay, I'm resigned to the fact I'm not going to have a Valentine this year. And that's fine. And I spent all of my time sending Valentines to friends. And that was like one of the best Valentines I ever had because I was just so full of love. We'll be talking more to MJ about that in a bit. But here's the deal. If you are feeling the countdown to Valentine's Day and you're still like, it can happen for me, Demona. Tell me how to do it quickly. Listen up. According to Finding the One's uh, app expert, Sylvia Lizalone, uh, she says that we need to embrace intentional dating. Swipe a little more slowly. And here's the real catch from, from Sylvia. Focus on taking chats off the apps and into real life. Um, hell to the yes. Okay, so listen up. If you are like, Demona, this is my moment. I want to capture the the conclusion of peak dating season and bring it to a close with a bang. I am looking for my person and I know I'm going to get a date for Valentine's Day. Let me give you three quick tips on how to do this because it is still possible. You still have more than a week, so don't stress. But also don't put too much pressure on yourself. Like make this fun, gamify it. You may have seen I did a recent Instagram video about like gamifying your dating life to bring that fun and that um, levity back to your love life. So number one, what you got to do, you got to be on an app. Okay. And when you are on an app, time is of the essence. So we want to be checking more frequently so that you can capture someone when they're online and when they're more likely to respond quickly to your messages, because those kind of conversations on the apps are more likely to turn into dates. You've probably noticed that if you go like more than 48 hours without a response to a text or a, you know, a DM within the app, the likelihood of that date actually happening, it goes down exponentially with each passing hour. I And I wish I had the stats in front of me on this, but um, I can just 
you you probably have experienced this yourself. And one day I will pull the specific stats, but I can tell you that chances of meeting up in real life are much greater when you have a sense of urgency to the conversation. And if you are in the countdown to Valentine's Day, then you have a sense of urgency to the conversation. The next thing you should do, you should go to a meetup or a mixer. Just so happens your friend Demona is having a book launch and singles mixer on February 9th in Pasadena, California. So if you happen to be in Southern California, please come and join me for that at DemonaHoffman.com slash Pasadena. Uh, But if you're not, there are so many singles events happening this week. Go there and be bold. Please don't be a wallflower. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. If you're going to put on the lipstick, the makeup, you're going to, you know, get a clean shave. You're going to get yourself together. Do not show up to a singles event and then just stand there. I know, I know it feels awkward when you first get there and you first start to talk to strangers, but the more you do it, the less intense each of those interactions will feel and the easier it will become for you. So just throw caution to the wind, go ahead and show up, say yes to something in this next week where you have an opportunity to meet single people. And the third thing, this is super, super simple. I talk about it in my book, F the Fairy Tale, your connector circle. So we have this single shame, like, oh, if we tell somebody that we are single and we're looking for a date and particularly like a date for Valentine's Day, it's like, oh, this feels so scary. But you've got to enlist your network. That is still one of the primary ways that people meet. And it's not going to happen by chance. Sure, you know, you'll you'll hear a story of somebody asked me if they could set me up with their friend and then it just happened. Okay. But we're doing this intentionally and strategically, remember? So if you are still looking for that Valentine, go ahead and tell someone, be brave. And I promise you, people love to help. They love, everyone loves to play matchmaker. And if they can make you happy and they can make your Valentine's Day beautiful, they're going to want to do that. So those are the tips if you want to get a Valentine fast. That said, no pressure, y'all. Like you can totally make it some me time. You can make it a Galentine's. You can just do something else intentionally with the day. Give that time to yourself, to your friends, to your loved ones if you don't have a date. And we can pick it back up after the holiday. There's kind of a lull usually on the dating apps after Valentine's Day. But then when you think about it, human connection is one of our core primal needs. So the drive always comes back. And you know what? I'm going to be here for you no matter what, every step of the way. All that talk of avalanching made me a little chilly, but we're going to heat it right back up with social media celebrity and best-selling author MJ Harris. So prepare to be inspired. You know I love you, right? I do. I really love my Dates and Mates listeners and my readers of F the Fairy Tale and every person who's connected with the advice that I've given. And it is my biggest mission in life to heal hearts, to help people in love, and to help people write their own love stories. But, you know, I just am feeling like we've gone part of the way there together. 
and I want to take you the rest of the way. You may have heard last week that the Dating Accelerator program, the self-led version of my signature program, is available for you now. But what you haven't heard is that I'm doing a live Q&A session just for program participants. This is brand new. I am adding it to the Dating Accelerator Evergreen program. And for all of my VIP clients, I'm going to be doing a monthly live Q&A. And that's happening inside of our VIP Facebook group, our private group. That's just for the people that raise their hand and say, you know what, Demona, I love everything you talk about on the show. And I am ready. I am the one. I want to be your next success story. And I don't want to keep going through the same dating loops and cycles and disappointments that I've had in the past. I'm ready to step out of that. And I'm ready to step into my future with the relationship that I dream of. I'm taking control of writing my own love story. And the best way to do that is for me to be able to give you personalized advice to move you from where you are right now in love to where you want to be and where you should be. And I'm doing that now in monthly live Q&A sessions. So here's the catch, y'all. The first one is happening tomorrow, February 7th in the evening. And the only way to get invited into that session is if you become a member of the Dating Accelerator program. You can sign up now at demonahoffman.com slash course, C-O-U-R-S-E. That will show you everything that's inside the Dating Accelerator program. And I promise it'll walk you step-by-step through the different phases of dating so that we can identify where specifically you are getting stuck and what needs to shift in your love life to be able to invite that person you dream of in. And then you can join me live and we can dial in the program to make sure that it is going to work for you. Again, you can sign up today at demonahoffman.com slash course. Don't miss that live Q&A because then you're going to have to wait an entire month for the next one. But I am here waiting for you inside the Dating Accelerator. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. Malcolm M.J. Harris is an international speaker, social media celebrity, and the author of the new book, Get the F Out Your Own Way, A Guide to Letting Go of the Sugar Honey Iced Tea That's Holding You Back. M.J. has been featured by Oprah, USA Today, and Black Enterprise. He's also the CEO and founder of the M.J. Harris Financial Group. I have followed him for many years online. I love his motivational content, and I am so lucky that he was able to join us in the midst of his book tour here on Dates and Mates. Please help me give big smooches to my guest, MJ Harris. Hello, hello. Thank you for being here. Ooh, you have written quite a compelling book. Get the F out your own way. (laughs) Get the F out your own way. Ah, it's you're speaking to me. You're speaking to my audience with this book. And I love how you really have helped people. You've helped me. I, I have been following you on Instagram for so long and you're so honest. And this book is written in, in such a, 
approachable, honest way uh, in helping people really just navigate the ups and downs of life. What made you feel like you needed to write this book right now, MJ? You know, I started the process during the pandemic. And I think that the pandemic for a lot of us was a very introspective time because you couldn't you never you couldn't do anything, especially in that beginning period of time. You couldn't go anywhere. So you had a whole lot of time to confront your demons, confront your shadows, to confront your opportunities for growth and all that. So when uh, when I start this process, I knew I wanted a book that would be transformational for people. I'm like, if you want to sit and read through a book, it you need to come out on the other side feeling like, oh my God, I, I'm ready to conquer the world. And so did the book, didn't have the title in mind yet, but after the book was done and I was trying to think of a title, I said, you know what? I know it would be a good, good title. Get the F out of your own way. A guide to letting go of the stuff that's holding you back. So it's very direct. I feel like we are our, our own problem and we are our own solution. And the book teaches us how to become a solution for um, our biggest challenges in life. Yeah, it it really does that. And I love how it addresses it in dating and relationships a lot. <laughs> um, let's begin with some of the major obstacles that that you have seen people running into, maybe that you've been through your yourself and written about in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I would say a recovering people pleaser, but like, let's be real. Are you ever recovered from that? <laughs> How do you stop people pleasing? And also, is that related to toxic relationships being like, do you track that if you are coming from a people pleaser perspective? So I will say this. I think you're right. Be, do you ever stop being a people pleaser? Eh, maybe not. I do think that what you can do is that you become aware that you are a people pleaser because awareness is the greatest source of prevention. Because if I'm aware that I have a tendency to people please, then at the very least I can do certain things to check in with myself before I make decisions. So for example, if someone asks me for a favor, I know I'm a people pleaser. So what I do is I give myself permission to say to everyone, no matter what the favor is, give me a moment just to think about it and I can call you back with it. I give myself permission to take a little bit of time so that I can then check in with myself around what do I really want to do? Because I know I have a propensity to want to people please. But I do think that, you know, it's something that, because we didn't become people pleasers overnight. We normally learn that within our childhood, you know, through traumas or through family dynamics. So it's hard to just get rid of it so quickly. Mm-hmm. You're so right. And I love how you address that in the book, how so much of our programming comes from our family of origin. You also address how it comes from just society. And as a as a black woman, I related to a lot of the stories that you shared and how when we get triggered, when we get in that headspace of somebody says something to us that we have an immediate reaction to, we we oh we want to say something right yeah. away but that space is so important mj like giving yourself the space and it, it just reframes it when you say you you when you ask for the time to really process it that can change the whole the whole relationship the whole conversation giving yourself time to decide, is this in my best interest, is one of the most helpful things that you can ever do. I don't care if it's within just uh, someone asking for a favor. I don't care if it's within a job or a business office situation. Anything that requires you to answer immediately probably is not in your best interest. I don't care what it is. And anytime someone tries to pressure, you have to give me an answer right now. You know, I don't think that's always in your best interest. I think that if someone can't even give you just a half hour to think about something, 
then you have to ask yourself, is this going to be something that's going to work out well for me? So in every part of my life, because I know that I am a people pleaser. I know that about myself. I give myself permission to think about things. I was just talking with a friend of mine the other day about a contract matter. And I was saying, I, I know I said I was going to send in this contract a couple of days ago, but I just want to take some time to think about it just to make sure that this is in my best interest. So what I did was I contacted the other side. And I said, hey, I need a couple more days just to review some things. I am conscious of giving myself space to process through my feelings so that I can make sure that my decisions are reflective of my best interest and not just reflective of pleasing the other person. That's right. That is so important. And for many of our listeners who are dating and having a lot of these emotionally charged conversations, Mm -hmm. I think it's important also to just be able to, like, maybe you can't say, can I have two days to respond? You can finesse it. But you can give yourself two minutes. And I'm really big on creating silence, too, and creating more space because we we just rush in to fill the space. And then we're just like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're not really processing what we're hearing. And it's so interesting what happens when you 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 give the other person enough rope when you just kind of lay a question out there Mm. and then you pause. Yeah you're going to hear some very different things coming back than if you just try to jump in and fill the space. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Without a doubt. You know, within dating, I give, I give myself a little space to finesse some things. Like, you know, for example, so I'm, I'm single, you know, I'm out here dating. I, I recently became single a couple months ago and um, met a nice guy pretty quickly thereafter, dropped in my DMs. And so we've been chit-chatting up and he asked me, he says, hey, you know, I want to come visit you wherever in the world that you are. So just let me know some dates. Right. That was his exact oh. words. And I thought that was very nice, very flattering. I, I love that masculine energy of let's, you know, make something happen. But here's the thing. I don't know you well enough yet. I, I, know <laughs> yeah. him from, I know him through his social media. I know him through other people, but I don't know him well enough yet to know that I want to be in a house or hotel in another country with him for an extended period. So what I said was, I was like, well, you know what? I said, let me think on that just for a little bit because I want to make sure I give you some dates that are going to be a really good fit, okay? So give me some time and I'll get back to you. So I didn't say, let me think about it, you know, just in general. I you know, got to fluff it up, you know, use your feminine energy, mm-hmm. you know, and then make I like that. You know what I mean? Fluff it up. <laughs> <laughs> I say a similar thing. I say um, everything is an invitation, right? Yeah. And you have to approach it all with enthusiasm. But I like your phrase better. Fluff it up, y'all. <laughs> fluff it up. <laughs> Well, I I do it, this. It's fun to talk about the possibilities, but I I love how in the book you really help us sort of deal with our own stuff, so we don't keep repeating mm-hmm. mistakes of the past. Um, and one thing that comes up a lot on the show is boundaries. Mm, you yeah. say in the book, think of boundaries like a house. Mm-hmm. What what do you mean? As you set boundaries, the house gets bigger. Talk to me about, about setting boundaries like a house. <laughs> Think of it like good construction. You know, if you have good boundaries in place, then you've got a great foundation in place. Without boundaries, it's like building a mansion on sinking sand. It may be pretty, but it's not going to stand very long. You can have 
the most aesthetically pretty relationship. You can have a relationship that's very sexually vibrant. You can have all those wonderful things, but if you don't have proper boundaries within a relationship, that relationship is not going to last long because at some point in time, you are going to have a need that can only be met through that person respecting your boundaries. And if that doesn't happen, it grows into resentment. It grows into confrontation. It grows into a whole lot of nasty stuff. So what I tell people is this, is that, you know, when you're building a house or building a building in general, the foundation building process is not pretty at all. You're digging a hole. It's just not pretty. But it's the same thing with setting boundaries in place. It may not always be the most pretty or comfortable process, but it is necessary if you expect that relationship to be able to stand and stand strong for the long term. Yes. And you also say in the book, no is a complete sentence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's hard for people pleasers (laughs) because we want to explain. Actually, that's hard for everyone. Yeah, I think so. We want to explain. We want to, you know, give give more reason and almost I don't know if we're talking ourselves into being able to say no to things. You know what I tell people who are especially people like myself who are people pleasers, you know, um, when it comes to the word no, no doesn't always have to be spoken in a direct word. Sometimes no can be spoken in a format that is most comfortable for you based on where you're at within your comfort level of telling people no. So maybe it's a matter of saying no through silence. So someone texts you, hey, can you give me a call? I, you know, and you know that what you know they're about to ask you for a favor because you just know this person. Maybe you don't call them back for a week or so and just act like you didn't see the message. And then when you do call them, hey, how are you doing? Because you know whatever it was is resolved by now. Everything okay? (laughs) Okay, that's wonderful. Sometimes, no, (laughs) it's a matter of, I went to chat GPT the other day. Someone had asked me um, a favor, which I did not want to grant at all, but this is what I've known for a long time. So I went to chat GPT and I said, how to tell a friend no to XYZ requests. You use your resources for some people like um, for I know a good relative friend of mine where what she does is she's in her 50s and she is horrible at no. But her um, 30 some odd year old daughter is excellent at no. So sometimes Hmm. she will do, especially um, within her business kind of stuff. She has a, a small business, a daycare what she will do is she'll have her daughter tell people, you know, certain information, you know, talk to Wendy for me. I think she has some information to share with you. And so she uses <laughs> that resource. So my point is it takes time to get to the point of being able to verbalize no and let that be enough. And so on the path there, utilize your resources. The most important thing is that you not do anything you don't want to do. OK, mm-hmm. as long as that no comes through in some way, shape or form, then you're moving ahead. Yeah. And in the book, you also talk about something that is near and dear to my heart, communicating boundaries with empathy. Yes. I've been talking a lot on the show about empathetic dating. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just the word no is not the most empathetic approach. Maybe there's another way that you can access empathy, but also stick to your core of what what feels comfortable for you. I think you're absolutely right about that. I will tell you for me, it's been a balancing act though, learning through the years. How do I, how am I empathetic towards men while at the same time being very clear about my boundaries? Because here's where my challenge was in the past. I would try to be empathetic and compassionate towards what their feelings would be around me telling them no, or even rejecting them in some way. And then I would ultimately end up weakening my approach. 
where I'm like, well, not right now. I'm seeing all these things that could be confusing to them. And so from my own approach, what I've had to do was to make sure that I'm being empathetic and compassionate to myself first, because ultimately, do I want this person? If the, if the answer is no, then I'm being compassionate by just telling them that rather than leading them in, selling them it in a way that could lead them with the idea that they still could have a possibility of a future with me in some way, shape or form. So I think that we have to check in with ourselves to be able to say, am I a really good communicator enough to be able to be compassionate and not leave a door open for something that I don't want? If the answer is yes, then go with it. But if the answer is no, then just get that no out as clearly as you can. Yeah. But we have to take the time to get clarity first ourselves on what we even want. And a lot of times I feel like, like I get questions on this podcast about rejecting someone and that people feel like it's not empathetic to reject. Yeah. Oh, if I tell them I'm not interested, then I'm going to hurt their feelings. And I'm like, the, uh, it's so much worse yeah. to have them just on the hook. And you have a whole chapter on rejection is your protection. Mm-hmm. I, I talk in my book about um, when you're rejected, you're either being spared or prepared. You're being Brilliant. spared more heartache or prepared for something better for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there, I do have a bone to pick with you, MJ, though. That in that about? chapter, you do say something about ghosting. You say there's nothing wrong with ghosting. Please explain. <laughs> so what I mean by that is this. If we look at ghosting on its face, the idea of you don't want to be with someone or someone doesn't want to be with you, and they just cut off communication with you and tell you nothing, give you no form of closure. Is that something that is recommended? Absolutely not. Is that a compassionate approach towards someone else's feelings? Absolutely not. Where I saw, where the angle that I come with from ghosting from is this, is that it is a reality that it will happen. We have to accept that not everyone is at the same point of emotional maturity to be able to even have the tools to know how to come to you and say, hey, I'm just not interested in you. For some people, we vilify them for ghosting, but we have to remember that that could be someone who had a very challenging relationship with disappointing people as a child. Maybe when they disappointed parents as a child, it led to them being hit or yelled at or something like that. Maybe they've gone through past trauma that leads them into not being comfortable with confronting people to say information that can be disappointing. I'm not trying to say this to make an excuse for them, but what I am saying is that people have their own stuff. So if we recognize that, we have to accept that in this journey of dating and relationships, we will come across some really wonderful people who simply won't know how to tell us they're not interested in us. So we have to accept that. And what we have to do is keep our eyes open, especially in the beginning stages of dating people, to see, are there any nonverbal cues that I'm getting? Because some cases, what will happen is this person's been giving you nonverbal cues for the last month and a half. You're ignoring them. And then you say they ghosted you. Well, what about when the text messages that used to be three and four times a day are now three and four times a week? What about when they no longer want to spend the night at your house? What about when the warmth and the intimacy of their conversation with you turns more platonic? Why is it that we ignore all those nonverbal cues, but then vilify someone the moment that they simply stop answering our calls? So I'm just saying, let's pay attention the whole way through so that we're not blindsided. Because what I've found, at least in my experience being ghosted, I've been ghosted, um, like everyone else, very few times has someone went from you know, uh, from doing the most 
to ghosting me instantly. It was normally some nonverbal cues along the way that I may have kind of overlooked perhaps just because I really liked that person. Yeah, we do tend to tell ourselves stories <laughs> and we like to complete the story, right? And we edit the story and we edit out some of the important details yeah. because it doesn't add up to the story that we want it to be. Mm-hmm. And then I, I love the advice in get the F out your own way because you're so direct with it. And you always are on Instagram too, MJ. But you also say in this chapter, stop playing the victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's that's going to hit some people. <laughs> Can you explain that further? You know why I say that? We can't control always what happened to us. You know, when I think about my childhood, I went through many challenges, some of them that many listeners have gone through as well. Uh, in my adulthood, you know, I've gone through, you know, lots of different things. And, okay, it happened. But I cannot allow those things to become my narrative. Because what I believe is this. You brought up something, Ramona, earlier where you talked about does being a people pleaser attract, um, for lack of better terms, toxic people. I think Mm -hmm. that being a victim attracts people who are going to victimize you because I think that the challenge is that when you're, when you come with that victim mindset and when you come with the, everything happened to me and this person hurt me and that comes through, it permeates through, through your presence. Then what ends up happening is you attract people who frankly, I don't know how to put this, but they see it as a sign of weakness. They see it as a sign of you're easily controlled. You're easily manipulated. If you want to manipulate someone manipulate someone who is not empowered. If you want to control someone and get that upper hand, go after someone who is invested in a victim mindset. I mean, you can control the hell out of them. And so with that understood, there are some predatory people out here who are intrinsically predatory. That may not be who we are, but they are like that. And we become a magnet for those types of people when we're walking around with a disempowered victim mindset. Mm. And so much of this is, is happening subconsciously sometimes too. Like we don't even realize that we're attracting that in. And then we step back and we're like, why are all of these relationships ending the same way, playing out the same way? And we have to change the inputs, right? We have to change what we can control to, to shift our experience and so I, I loved that. Initially, I was like, what? Ghosting's good? This, <laughs> no, no. Hold on a second. But then as I, you know, as I read further, I really understood, and hopefully everyone will read the book and, and really understand the nuance of what you're saying underneath it and how we have to own our own choices, our, the way that we show up in relationships, and then also what we take from it. I mean, I just hear all the time from people that are like, dating apps don't work. I'm frustrated with dating apps. I never meet anybody like so many limiting beliefs around the ability to find love or be in a different kind of relationship. And that is really getting in our own way, our own thoughts so much of the time. Yeah. You know what I tell people is this is you have to trust your, your gut. I grew up in the church. So they would say, you know, trust your discernment. You know, that was the word that they use. Some people say the Holy Spirit. Some people say your instincts. We can use whatever terminology, but I think we're referring to the same thing. Trust that intrinsic part of yourself, that compass that gives you those cues to say, Hey, hmm, that seems stranger. Hmm. That seems off. When you are dating and getting to know someone, or you're even in an established relationship, and you have those little moments of, hmm, that seems off. Or, I wonder why they're treating me different. 
pay attention to this, to that. Stop being so quick to dismiss these feelings. And I'll give another piece. Stop being so quick to go to other people to get them to validate if your feelings are accurate. Hey, do you think it's weird that he stopped calling me and blah, 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 blah. Because that person sometimes then gives you their narrative. You know, they will say, oh, no, it's not a big deal. Because maybe they just really want you to be in a relationship. Or maybe they would accept that type of treatment. You have to trust your own gut and let that be your compass so that you can make the best decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. And I, I agree when you also say in the book that authenticity is key. Mm-hmm. And when we can be honest with ourselves and we can show up authentically, that is when you, as you say, find the relationship that serves your best self. Because if we're not really being ourselves, we're going to attract people that reflect different things to us than what we really need to see. You know, I've attracted so many better dating relationships, uh, just any type of relationship, friendships as well. Once I was able to just lock in on who I authentically am, you know, not trying to be the version of me that I thought people wanted me to be or that I learned to be in this space, but just being my full self, you become that much more attractive. Some people, you know, question, why am I not attracting more people? Why am I not attracting this? Or why am I not retaining the people that I do attract? I attract people, but it seems like they fall off so quickly. And there could be a number of reasons. But one of the things I, that I always say is that people are attracted to authenticity, They're attracted to honesty. And why? Because on a basic level, it means that I can trust you. You're showing me who you are. Even if I don't like all of it, I can trust you. And I will tell you this, especially when dealing with masculine energy people, right? You're dealing with masculine energy men or masculine energy women they love authenticity they love that they want that whole pretty cute soft stuff every now and again but if you gotta if you have to say what's on your mind and it may not be the prettiest thing not to hurt their feelings of course but just talking in general they love that it is something about that you know that when we try to package ourselves so pretty and perfect they know that it's not real and it kind of pushes them away but when you are yourself, it's intoxicating to masculine energy because on a primal level, they know they can trust it. Yeah. I <laughs> I have complicated feelings about masculine energy, but that's like another show. <laughs> I did want to ask you sure. one thing before we go that's not in the book. Okay. Because as I've followed you on Instagram the last few years, you've had a lot of uh, shifts in your life. You've been all over the world. And I I find it really interesting that you're you're able to make connections everywhere you go. So do you have any advice for daters who may be, you know, dating on the road or have the fantasy of like, I could be in another place <laughs> and still be able to make a connection? I call it the Tinder rule, right? Um, Tinder meaning the dating app. Sure. What I say is this, is that yes, I travel the world. For example, I'm in Bangkok right now. It's 1 a.m. Hence why my lighting is not as beautiful as your lighting right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're always beautiful. Thank you. you too. But I, I call it the Tinder rule. And so essentially for me, I love to travel the world. But in terms of if I'm going to stay someplace for an extended time or live there, I need to be in a place where if I put my profile on Tinder, am I going to get a decent amount of matches? So what do I mean by that? We have to understand that there are cultural influences that that influence attraction and so on and so forth. And no matter how open-minded we may be as individuals, that doesn't mean that everyone else is. And so for me, for example, when I lived in Bali, Indonesia for six months, I had my profile on Tinder, got barely any matches. However, when I lived in South Africa, 
tons and tons and tons of matches because I found that my natural aesthetic is more appealing within that environment. And I'm not saying choose your locations based on that, but what I am saying is this, I do think we have to be realist with ourselves. where if you want to travel for the sake of traveling, do that. But be also conscious of the fact that in some locations, you may find that you are the star of the show from a dating and attraction perspective. And in some places you will feel basically invisible and just know that that's not a reflection on you. So great things to do um, that can influence it is, you know, go online, you know, to people who have different travel pages, travel on YouTube, Instagram, and so on, who live in these places. Ask them. I, I ask people that before I go. I say, what was your experience like as a black or brown man um, or woman in this particular place dating? How was that for you? I ask people very direct questions before I go there because I want to know before I go, is this going to be a place where I'm going to be able to have all of my needs met socially, romantically, and otherwise? Mm-hmm. What do you think about long distance relationships? Can they work? Baby, I got too many needs. Okay, I got to be touched. <laughs> okay, but no. So, <laughs> so no, here's my thing. I think that long distance relationships can work if there is the prospect of you two living in the same place within a very clear timeline. I don't care if it's a year from now, but just a clear timeline you work towards, or you all have the resources and/or flexibility to be able to have a travel and visitation schedule that you all can maintain with some degree of consistency. If you got either of those things, then I do think it can work. I have a good friend of mine where he's in uh, New York and his partner is in, I want to say Los Angeles, or the suburbs of Los Angeles. And I'm like, does that work for y'all? He's like, yeah, because I work like crazy 70, 80 hour weeks and my partner does the same thing. So we wouldn't see each other during the week if we we're in the same city anyway. So us flying back and forth every other weekend is wonderful because we can spend meaningful time together. So some lifestyles may be better suited for long distance. But like I said, for me, I need to be touched. So um, <laughs> I don't know that long distance can do too much for me for too long. <laughs> I love your honesty, MJ. I love your perspective. And I really loved this book. Thank you so much for joining me, MJ. Y'all need to be following MJ on Instagram. So much inspo, so much information. Just so fun and delightful to watch and listen to. Go to MJ Harris Speaks at MJ Harris Speaks and pick up a copy of Get the F Out Your Own Way, A Guide to Letting Go of the Sugar Honey Iced Tea that's holding you back wherever books are sold. The links, as always, will be in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer the following listener question. What do I do when dating app candidates pop up that I already know? Hmm, I'll tell you in a sec. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Lovers, 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 I love this segment. And you have been sending in some very delightful, very juicy, very relatable questions. Here's what's up for today. Dear Damona. Damona, help me. This one is an Instagram DM from a listener named Pearl. Pearl says, I'm going back on the apps, been on and off for a few years now. Hashtag relatable, right? 
What do you do when you see men you've previously matched with, went on one or multiple dates, or have slept with? I normally block them. I don't feel like this has been covered before. Thanks. Pearl, you're right. I don't think I don't think we've covered that before. Um, and there's a good reason for it because I don't think of it as as much of an issue as it may be presenting in your dating life right now. But I bet you this question is relatable to a lot of people because as dating apps have become more popular and everybody's on them, the chances are you're going to start seeing a little bit of a recycle. And is what I think you're also referring to is the fact that everybody's kind of app hopping and is on all of the apps, right? So you might have seen someone and unmatched them on Hinge and here you go on Bumble and they have popped up again. So wait, do you match them again? Do you block them? Do you unmatch? Do you say hi and then disappear? What's a girl to do or a guy to do? Because this happens to everybody. Um, I would say it's all about how it makes you feel when you see them. So this is the interesting thing. I have heard many stories of people who matched on an app before and either just never really made it to the date, like maybe timing wasn't good or they talked on the phone and it it didn't quite connect or maybe even they had like a meh coffee date, but they were kind of on the fence and it wasn't a hell yes. So that it was kind of a no, but that doesn't necessarily mean that if you meet them in a different context, in a different time of your life, that it wouldn't work. I actually tell a story about this in my book, in F the Fairy Tale, about one of my guests uh, who discounted her now husband because she didn't like the pants he wore to the first date. And then they reconnected and now they're married. So that's why I don't have a blanket statement for like, always block them. Because that's not necessarily correct, depending on how much contact you had with them. What was your sincere reaction? Like, if you're, if you were like, ew, I would never date that person again. Like, n- I get them out of my life. Okay, yeah, block them. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, you don't need that energy. But if you were like, oh, we, yeah, I do remember this person, but I don't even remember really what happened. It just kind of fizzled out. Sometimes we start to tell a story about that. Like, oh, well, if they really wanted me, they would have pursued me. And so, well, we matched again, but it didn't happen last time. So it shouldn't happen this time. Next. And then we've talked ourselves out of something that could have been different. Timing is a factor that, you know, I didn't really talk about it in my book, but it is certainly a factor in dating. It's like pillars plus timing. What do they say? Uh, comedy is just tragedy plus timing. <laughs> so relationships are kind of dating pillars plus timing, if you buy that. So that's the core of my answer. Like it may be a block situation. It may be a match again and see what happens situation. It may be a close the app and never return there again situation. I don't know. But each of these matches, I think, has to be dealt with individually. There isn't a one-size-fits-all answer that I can give to this question. We just kind of got to meet it where it's at and walk through it together. Great question, Pearl. Thank you so much for submitting. Y'all, if you have questions 
The DMs are open. I love hearing from you. And I'm also loving, so many of you have been sharing your thoughts about F the fairy tale. And if you tag me on Instagram, I'll reshare it. Yes, we are in a conversation together. If you have questions about the book, tag me on Instagram, send me a DM. Let's talk about it because I want to make sure that this book and that this podcast is really actionable for you, that you're getting advice that you can put into practice and that you can use to change your life. Would you believe if I told you this was episode 494 of Dates and Mates, in addition to DMing me your questions and your screenshots and all of that good stuff, You know, the phone lines are also open. You can text me or call me at 424-246-6255. We'll be back again next Tuesday with a very special Valentine's Day episode. Until then, I wish you happy dating.